Welcome to Adulting. The following podcast was recorded live on Blab. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Marlon, and I'm here with uh, Miranda as usual. And our guest today is Hui Chen Chen. How are you doing, Hui Chen? Good. How are you, Harlan and Miranda? Very good. <laughs> it's way too early for us here. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're in Mountain Time. Well, Harlan's even in Pacific Time, so it's even an yeah. hour earlier for him. Right. If I had known that, I would suggest it later. <laughs> <laughs> No worries, no worries. I hope it's bright and early over there. It's pretty nice out here. Yeah, so yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. We're going to talk about living globally today. So um, let's go ahead and get started. I mean, you you don't just visit places. You sort of, you're, you're not going just as a tourist or as a business traveler. You kind of set up set up to live more as a, as a global citizen. So where are you right now and where are you from originally? Okay, so right now I'm in uh, Arlington, Virginia, so right outside DC. Okay. Um, I am originally from Taiwan. My last 12 years I've been to Pittsburgh, DC, India, Taiwan, Mexico, New Zealand, and we're back here for about a year or so, and we will be leaving in three months, actually. Oh, where are you headed next, then? Uh, we're heading back back to Asia. Um, my husband's doing Mandarin training uh, for one year in Taiwan, and we're heading to China for work. Okay, great. So how does how does this work? So you don't just go someplace and stay there for a short period of time. You actually kind of live there for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically um, we. So my husband works for the State Department, so he has job posting overseas. So that's what we've been doing for the past uh, five to six years. Um, but before that, so because I'm originally from Taiwan, I went to school there. Um, I graduated college there, and then uh, I came to the U.S. for uh, master's degree and I just stay for work. So for me, coming to the U.S. is a uh, <laughs> a global living thing that, you know, I just came here and I, st- I stayed here for work. Uh, I look for work here. And when I moved to India, it's also the same. I just apply for jobs there and I moved there for the job. So it's for um, really for when I'm saying about living globally is like you're not confined yourself in a single country or city that you're looking for actively looking for opportunity to stay for longer term in other places what kind of work do you do that allows you to be so flexible um actually i've go through different transitions myself um when i started working in the u.s I was um, just working for a large, you know, I, it wasn't my 20s. I got 
really tired of the corporate culture and not really sure um, what I should be doing next. And I always wanted to have sort of experience of living in a country that I'm not familiar with and really getting to know that country. So that's why I started looking for opportunities elsewhere and I end up um, through sort of network finding a a position in, um, in Chennai, India. Okay, so so as you've kind of done this, what do you do to prepare to move on to your next location? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it's for me, it's almost like a mindset of, so, so far, I actually, I, I talk a lot with my husband about this, that so far, I actually don't have the mindset of, oh, I want to stay in one place. I haven't really encountered a, a city or a country where I just like, I want to stay here forever. So I always have this mindset of, I, I just keep myself open, um, you know, for the places that, you know, it, it's fine that I can do, uh, like what we're doing right now, his job actually has this standard set period of time. So it's not like we can choose to stay long-term in any single place. But because of that as well, we sort of just keep the mindset just open, you know, for the next opportunity and where, where it would be. Um, so I would say the first thing is just, you know, be flexible and be open for whatever coming next, because you, you might not know what whatever the next is. So basically, you're, it sounds like you're confined to your husband's work schedule because he works for the State Department. He Is, is he suggested to take these jobs does he have there does he have choice to discuss this with you i mean how, how does this work exactly and you know i'm just trying to figure out exactly you know what viewers can do in their own lives who perhaps don't have overseas work opportunities that are driving them from mm-hmm. one to another yeah so so for him, his job is you know, his own. I don't necessarily get work opportunity overseas because of his job. So right now what I'm doing is I'm self-employed. You know, I run my own business. I work with clients all over the world. So I'm location independent. Um, so I can be in. Um, and for his job, um, there are choices. Um, so basically, whenever your tour is up, um, there's a list of places that open. You have to apply So want to hire you Okay, so so there are places where you can look for jobs. You don't have to worry about being part of the State Department. And I think one of the most popular things that many people do is actually apply to teach English in other countries. I know of uh, several people who apply to teach in other countries uh, because they don't need specific credentials as a teacher in order to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a common thing for um, people fresh out of college to do. Um, so there are a lot of um, sort of English teaching placement agencies that you can work for, um, especially like in Asia, because that's a huge thing there. Um, a lot of people I know also, they choose to do Peace Corps. Um, so 
and they recruit um, pretty heavily, you know, for seniors in college as a sort of a thing to do right after graduating from college to sort of explore the world and do some good in different countries. So they have programs open in many different countries and continents. So as you're getting preparing to do this, kind of going back uh, to this idea of traveling a little bit more and living kind of globally, what do you do with your stuff? Do you have to, do you have to kind of uh, reduce the amount of stuff that you have? Yeah, so we live a pretty, um, so for example, right now we're living in a service apartment. So what that means is that because we're we're back in the U.S. short term for training and they do provide sort of a housing, temporary housing. So we don't have to look for our apartment if we don't want to. So it includes, you know, it's furnished, you know, one bedroom apartment. And all we can bring with us to this just temporary short thing is, you know, two suitcases each. So that's how we've been living for the past um, at least six, seven months. And, you know, that's just life. <laughs> and we get, we get used to it. Um, and I do, it, it's a big thing um, for people living our lifestyles that moving from place to place. I'm sure for people, even just people moving from, um, city to city in the U.S. as well is that you are particularly attuned to not accumulating things because you expect that you have to remove them. And you eventually just develop a habit of really looking at what you own and what you are about to purchase and always thinking about, oh, do I really need this? Can I buy this when I get to the next place? Or should I just get rid of whatever I have because I don't really need to move it with me? Yeah, and- so it sort of goes into your everyday purchasing situation as well. One one big thing I, I use in my examples in my blog post is because <laughs> I like cooking, and I like to do different like ethnic ethnic cooking. And you know what like, ethnic cooking comes with different spices, sauces, things like that, and you have to purchase them like. Not necessarily in big quantity, but you know, you, you might buy a bottle of fish sauce and you never finish, you know, in two years or something. But then you it, like, like this time we're only staying here for eleven months. You know, I will actually go to the grocery store and decide, okay, I'm not going to cook Thai food for a year because I don't want to buy a bottle of fish sauce. Fish sauce I only use like a little bit of it. So it's kind of like it's sort of permeating into your everyday decision. Um, when you are living this kind of transient life. So what are some of your suggestions for, I mean, when you get there, obviously, if you're going to live globally, you don't want to just be a tourist all the time. And you kind of want to experience the life as as locally as possible. So what are some of your suggestions for doing that? What are some of your suggestions for actually getting in and learning about where you're living as opposed to just sort of superficially seeing it? Um, one thing I personally try to do is when we move to a country, we try to do all of our vacations in that country. You know, because there's actually a lot of temptation 
when you're overseas to actually visit the countries that are close to you as well. You know, like, oh, like I moved to, if I moved to Japan, I should also visit Korea or something because it's so close. I can get there in a three hour flight instead of from the US. It takes us, you know, 12 hours. But then because of that, because of all the other opportunities you have, you end up doing a lot of more tourist thing that you would have done as a U.S. tourist anyway, because you're visiting other countries instead of, you know, really spend more time in the countries you're in. So that's one thing I consciously do is that, you know, what for example, so we were in New Zealand um, for two years, uh, 2013 to 15, and we barely visited um, anywhere else. You know, we spend most of our vacation time just driving or going from one island to the other and really try to explore most of the country. And basically just, um, yeah, so the more time you actually stay in a country, the more you get to observe how people live and really, you know, what what's the, the common things people do. So that's, that's one thing. So do you, do you make an effort to learn about like the local culture and the local food and the like hot spots? Do you guys do that or? Yeah, definitely. So it's always a give and take because whenever you get to a new place, you're always very excited to sort of, you know, you, for me at least, I really try to learn a lot about how local people do things or, you know, what they eat, you know, what they like to do and see if I like it. But that, that's the thing, like, you, you, you don't always like it, right? So, and at that point, you have to sort of decide um, how much of a local lifestyle you end up, you end up living. Um, and how much you, you just need to do something that you're familiar with, like either U.S. culture or for me, it's more Chinese culture. Certain things that you're used to to make you feel less homesick, or you know, to make you feel like you're enjoying it. So it's always it's always a balance um, of doing that. Yeah, and one other thing, I guess related to the other two questions, is also uh, meeting people locally. I think that's the the main thing that determines whether you have a good experience in that country or not is having somebody. Um, who are your friends with who are you know, local to that country and show you around and really be um, sort of um, how people do things there because most of the time if, as an observer you don't really get to know the why certain things come to pass and having somebody sort of as an insider view really could give a different perspective of how different things happen and why this is common and why they don't do things the way we do things. Okay. And how do you think that kind of living in these different countries and getting to know different cultures, do you think that it's made you kind of a better world citizen and a, and a better empathetic person in general? Um, yeah, I would like to, to think so. Um, but it's more like the more you get to meet different types of people. And I am sure it's the same thing in the U.S. If you live in a more metropolitan area, you get to see people who have different backgrounds or education or just different culture. 
you you start to um, but not necessarily question but sort of like you know like okay that's interesting like that's how different people perceive things and it's sort of um, yeah it, it sort of gives you a perspective of whenever you approach something new you're more open to it and more flexible with what's presented to you and I think that goes back, ties back to when we started when we started this conversation and talking about you know what's the, the most important thing to to prepare for yourself is you know being open to what's ahead. So what are some of the specific things that someone let's say this is someone who's you know got an average job at an average company mm-hmm. um, or is just you know a normal corporate worker? What what are some of the things that they can do to set themselves up? So that down the road, they can kind of live this dream of global living. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, what, what, what can someone go through in order to get to that point? Yeah, so there's um, several things to do. So if you actually like the corporal uh, world, like you like that kind of lifestyle and jobs, and something you can think about doing is um, – looking at opportunities in companies that actually have foreign subsidiaries or um, they just have foreign offices. Um, for example, my brother-in-law, he was just working in a firm you know, in the U.S. and on the West Coast, and he wasn't really particularly seeking a overseas job opportunity, And but something came up in Singapore, and they asked him if he wants to go, and he sort of just decided, okay, let's go. And now he's still there after six, seven years. So, um, yeah, so there are definitely opportunities like that. It doesn't have to be, I think, sort of like a preconceived notion, like people think about when they go, they're living sort of like global lifestyle, they either have to sort of drop what they're doing, you know, like sort of have budget, you know, budgeted like really tightly, you know, sort of like travel from one country to another to live very cheaply so they can, can see the world. There is definitely a way to do it. Sort of more like, maybe more like your normal life. You know, you're still working for the same company, but in, in, a, in an overseas location, you're still doing um, similar function. So a large corporation that has global offices, obviously government, which is um, what my husband has. And um, there also the industry, like you talk about, international uh, school teachers, not necessarily um, just English teachers, but um, schools, just international schools all over the world that teaches American curriculum. So some schools may ask for licenses, some may not, but you know that's another option. And then there are people, um, sort of. Uh, I guess, like me, you're just location independent. And <laughs> if you, if you uh, just have your own company, you can really live anywhere. And that's sort of the case of just getting a visa in a country you want to move to. And you can still run your company in that country. What's involved with getting a visa? I'm sorry, I think that was cut off earlier. What's, what's involved with getting a visa? That's a good question. That's actually the most frustrating thing about living globally is that having a visa that allows you to stay in one country long term or even looking for a job locally in that country. 
um, there are some countries that are easier than the others. Um, you know, um, like, you know, there are a lot of students coming to the U.S. and try to apply for visa to stay here to uh, work in a company after they graduate. So certain other countries have the same arrangements, like in Europe or um, Australia and so, um, so that's where, um, so that sort of requires you, they, they give you sort of like a leeway, like a year after you graduate. Um, if you get a degree there, then a year after you graduate, you look for a job. And if you find a job locally, you get to stay. And you get to sort of extend your visa because now you have a sponsor in that country. So that's one way. The other way would be for countries that are open to immigration, just by virtue of your profession. Like um, Canada is very open. New Zealand, Australia also <laughs> more open to people just basically fly there. You know, like I, you know, I want to, basically you sort of have an intent of, I want to you know, live here for the long term. You know, they give you a temporary visa for a year or two so you can look for a job locally, you know, and company. Then they, once you find a job, you know, they will sponsor you to stay in country. So you have more permanent status in country. So the same thing in the U.S., you know, that's why we have um, immigrants who come here and find jobs and corporations and they get to stay and become citizens. So when you're applying for a visa, like what kind of information do you need? Like, is your passport enough or do you need to fill out a questionnaire? Like, what do you need to do to apply for a visa? Um, usually for countries, so it's obviously visa is very country dependent. So it depends on which country you're going to. And in this day of age, there is the, um, you know, internet, Google, you know, great. (laughs) You can first start just by doing it. Um, you know, uh, visa class or, or permanent visas or employer visas for that particular country and just Google that. And usually what comes up will be the embassy or the consulate in the U.S. that will list that kind of information that will tell you how to initially apply for it or if you're eligible for it or what kind of proof you need to have. So all of those information will just show up. And obviously, if you can't find anything, the next step would just try to get the you know, phone number of the country, the embassy of the country that you know in the U.S. So you know, is the U- uh, representative of that country in the U.S. Um, you know, call the office, not, not calling the ambassador, you know, just calling calling the embassy, the office, and um, ask for information that way. Cool. And then finally, um, how do you do it? I mean, you've talked about getting a job, but what if you want to kind of save up ahead of time or kind of live cheaply? Are there some tips that you have for living cheaply once you get there or, you know, something like that? I mean, what if you don't have a job lined up? So what are some tips you have for living cheaply while you either look for a job or try and get your location independence going? Yeah, so that's sort of related to, um, I guess, the, the visa thing is that if you're, you're trying to become location dependent, when you move to the country, when you move to the country, most likely when you enter, you will enter as a tourist or, or something like that. So it doesn't really necessarily give you the right to stay in country for the long term. 
and that posed a trouble. And that's why a lot of the location de- independent uh, entrepreneur that I know they don't necess- they don't necessarily stay in one country, you know, over a year or something because just by virtue they cannot. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. So how do you do it cheaply though? How do you like live cheap? Do you have like tips for finding ways to like live on the cheap while you're doing this, no matter what you're doing? One thing sort of, uh, um, combine what I said before, you know, lo- meeting local people is you can consider finding a roommate or getting a room, um, with, um, people your age in that country. So you find a roommate with locals and, so you cut, it cuts down your housing costs, which is normally our highest cost in living anywhere. And it, it gives you sort of a entry to, you know, the, the society and the culture that you're interested in. And, you know, like a sort of free tour guide, sort of. But, you know, not just for tours, but for everyday living. And, and that's sort of even extra because you're living uh, with people, a, a local person that you um, get to learn things much quicker. So that's what I did um, when I was working in India because also I was on a local salary in India. So I was working for an Indian nonprofit and on a local salary. So I didn't have that much money to uh, rent a place on my own. So I had a couple of roommates. Um, and that was really cool because you get to sort of, you know, see how they cook. And you know they, they teach you the, the norm that you need to you know you need to know where to get um, the um, rickshaw you know which uh, they teach them how to read um, Maharashtrian uh, numbers on the bus because it's not you know Arabic or Roman letters so it's a different no it's numbers but it's in a different language so I need to know how to read it yeah so things like that I wouldn't be able to do if I just try to make friends um, locally, you know, after I just moved in, but then I will feel very sort of isolated and not having too much resources. How do you think that uh, your nomadic lifestyle has affected your your personal business? Uh, has it helped in any way? Has it hindered you uh, because you're not in the right country at the right time? Or has it given you more opportunities? Um, both. So the traveling thing for me, actually, ironically, so the number one thing for people, you, the entrepreneur that are local, location independent, you will hear the most important thing they need is stable internet. You know, basically guaranteed good internet connection so they can do work anywhere. And ironically, the, uh, this time when we came back, you know, in the U.S., this is the first time I get really crappy internet <laughs> to actually work with people. And it's actually giving me so much stress because uh, even though I'm back in the U.S. and I have clients around here, I still work with mo- most of them through Skype. And I have clients that are overseas. And my internet is not stable. It just, yeah, it gives me so much stress. And basically, that's how, what I was experiencing right before this. <laughs> you know, like, what if my internet doesn't hold? Um, yeah, so, you know, you, you always let you investigate, you know, in addition to the Wi-Fi you get, you know, what other data plan you can get that's fast, you know, make sure it works and things like that. So that's 
that's one thing. And I sort of, what was the original question? The oh, has it how has it how has it helped or hindered your business? Yeah, anyway. yeah. Yeah. So what, how it help is that I attract clients who living the same lifestyle as me, um, as myself because they feel like I'm I can understand the struggles they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural niche now that, you know, you know, people would sort of refer people or they would basically uh, read my blog and they, they can tell that I understand their struggles and the things that you just talked about, you know, how to pack lights and how to live cheaply if needed. Um, visa, um, you know, money issues when you're living overseas, when you're coming back. Yeah, so... That's the that's the good part and the difficult part. Yeah, it's the stress from not having good internet. But you know, hopefully it gets better as as time goes on. Okay, well, thank you. We're coming up on our half hour, but thank you for joining us to talk about living globally. Uh, just real quick, why don't you tell our audience uh, where they can find you online and uh, what you do? Oh, um, so sorry, the question cut yeah. off. You're, you're so, asking uh, just let our audience know where, uh, what, where they can find you online and what you do. Okay, yeah, I'm a financial planner uh, right now, and I basically help people live the global life that they want uh, with the resources that I have. And um, I blog at uh, Money Matters for Globetrotters.com. So um, that's just my blog and with information about living overseas and mostly related to, you know, finances, personal finance and money uh, while living overseas. And um, my company is called Pavlov Financial Planning, and it's actually located here in Arlington, Virginia. But I work with clients all over the states and all over the world. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, it's been really uh, eye-opening to, to hear about this. Uh, I'm really excited. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to be more, um, do more travel. And uh, I know that personally, I probably can. I work for myself and don't, you know, I just yeah. have, uh, for me, the, the, I have a lot of things uh, keeping me here. Um, you know, my work is location independent, but my volunteer um, things I do mm-hmm. here are not. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's nice to think about how I might be able to work that into my life. And, uh, you know, I hope our audience is given some ideas about how to work that into their lives. Yeah. So make sure, uh, to, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I was going to say thank you for having me. And the, but one thing, just piggyback on the last thing you said, that there is a merit of staying one place exactly for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that's why you're talking about, you know, your work is not dependent on where you are, but your the other parts of your life, sometimes it's, it's good to have that community and stay there for a long time. So that's the one thing that you will have to develop differently if you, you know, moving from one country to country, you have to develop a community online, you know, mostly, and not necessarily locally. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. 
But don't forget to uh, check us out at adulting.tv. Uh, we've got a we've got new podcast episodes coming out every Thursday, and uh, don't forget that we also do our Blab podcast comes out on Saturdays. So check us out, uh, give us a review, and our next Blab will be. Uh, April 7th. It'll be a little bit later in the day. Hooray. And, <laughs> and we will have, uh, we will have, um, well, this is bad. Eva Baker on, and she will be talking about how to choose between setting up your business and going to school and what makes sense for you. So be sure to join us then. <laughs> yeah, she's great. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Okay. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.